Azubillahirrahmanirrahim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the ever merciful. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Today is Monday, the 21st of August 2023. The time is 7.08 a.m. and you're listening to Daniel Zia and Imam Usman Manan live from the South London studios of Voice of Islam. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Imam Usman. How are you doing? Waalaikum salam. Uh, good morning. I'm good, alhamdulillah. How are you? Very, very good. So, what are we talking about uh, this morning? So, uh, yes, as usual, we have two topics. Um, the first topic is <coughs> baby monitors and smart speakers enabling abuse, according to a um, MP. So, we'll be talking about monitors, tracking, um, fitness trackers, home security, all these things. What are people doing with this and what issues is it causing? The second topic, which we'll talk about um, around 8.15 onwards, is the 100. How to follow the new 100-ball tournament across the BBC. This will uh, this is an, uh, an, the newest competition in cricket. Right. And that's what we'll be talking about. Excellent. Thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, as is the norm, we start off the show with the headlines appearing in the newspapers this morning. Uh, so England's defeat at the hands of Spain in the Women's World Cup final yesterday dominates today's front pages. Metro features a full-page tribute to the Lionesses using a composite image of the devastated expressions on the faces of some of the team's stars after their 1-0 loss in Australia. You did us all proud is the paper's headline of choice. The Guardian chooses a striking aerial shot of England prayers and support staff arm-in-arm in a post-match huddle with headline Pride and Pain superimposed in the centre. Manager Serena Wigman appears to be speaking to her players with fullback Lucy Bronze while Lucy Bronze is unable even to stand after a hard-fought match. The Sun has chosen a picture of the battered but unbowed defender Alex Greenwood with a bandage around her head after being hit by an accidental elbow during play, being comforted by midfielder Kira Walsh. The paper's lead story shows England fans expressing their pride at the team's performance, telling the players to hold their heads high after a very, very spirited defeat. Proud of you is the Daily Mirror's choice for its own full-page tribute to the Lionesses, who it says have inspired the nation. In the post-match image the paper has chosen forward, Alyssa Russo wipes tearful eyes while captain and defensive stalwart Millie Bright has her head in her hands at the pain of defeat. The theme of pride in the team's achievements is a feature of many front pages with the Daily Star hailing the brave Lionesses who came so close to glory the paper is the paper is also one to feature an image of the squad together with their second place medals while smiles even breaking through some of the faces the financial times even um, features an image from the world cup final this morning highlighting an arresting picture of england players embracing in commiseration next to their spanish opponents during the same but in a joy. 
The paper's lead story reports that China is pushing for an expansion of the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa group of developing nations, so it can become a full-scale rival to the G7 group of wealthy countries. Police fear killer nurse Lucy Letby may have attacked 30 more babies before she was caught, according to the Times. Defected, uh, detectives have been reviewing 4,000 cases from the neonatal unit in Chester and a Liverpool hospital where she worked between 2012 and 2016, identifying suspicions, incidents with 30, um, identifying suspicious incidents with 30 infants who survived but may have been harmed by her, according to the paper. The families of the babies murdered or harmed by Letby have demanded a law to force convicted people to attend their sentencing sentencing hearing, this according to the Daily Mail, accusing Letby of being cowardly for failing to be in court for some verdicts. The paper says she is expected to refuse to appear in the dock on Monday to hear how long she will spend in the prison. But a government source has told the Daily Telegraph that Letby could be forced to appear in court to face victims through lawful enforcement. The, the source tells the paper that let be continuing to refuse to appear in the dock will only strengthen our resolve to change the law, so it it is not entirely clear if she will be made to attend her sentencing. And finally, the IS Top Story reports that centrist conservatives have urged Prime Minister Rishi Sunak to sack Home Secretary Soela Braverman over her repeated failures to solve the crisis of asylum seekers crossing the English Channel in small boats. The paper reports on new poll indicating Tory voters are turned off by a focus on anti-Vogue strategy championed by Mrs. Profferman. So those are the headlines appearing in the newspapers this morning. We'll now take a quick break and when we come back, we will continue to talk about the important news items appearing in uh, the newspapers this morning until 7.30, after which we will go right into the first topic. Uh, which is, um, as we announced earlier, about um, uh, the um, the baby monitors and smart speakers, uh, smart speakers that are enabling abuse, according to um, some MPs. Do stay tuned. of Islam Radio. The Holy Quran states, Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. 
An-Nur is that being through whose light a physically blind person sees and a person who has gone astray finds guidance. It is that being who is apparent and through whom all things are manifested. His being is apparent in himself and makes things evident for others as well. The true light is God, which can be perceived in everything by those with insight. However, one who is devoid of spiritual sight cannot see it. A believer is firm on the belief that the universe that can be observed, as well as the universe that cannot be observed, is created by God in order to give an understanding of this light. God sends His chosen people who spread the Nur, which comes down from the heavens throughout the world. The promised Messiah, on whom be peace, writes, that light of high degree that was bestowed on perfect man was not in angels, was not in the stars, was not in the moon, was not in the sun, was not in the oceans or the rivers, was not in rubies or emeralds, or sapphires or pearls. In short, it was not in any earthly or heavenly object. It was only in perfect man, whose highest and loftiest and most perfect example was our Lord and Master, the Chief of the Prophets, the Chief of all living ones, Muhammad, the Chosen One. Peace and blessings of Allah be on him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, set the most excellent example and the highest standard of Nur, which was established as a reflection of the light of God and which will continue till the day of judgment. The Nur he received was conveyed to his companions and established excellent morals amongst them, so much so that he likened them to the stars. After the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, the reflection of God's light was the promised Messiah on whom be peace. This was due to complete subordination of his master. Not only did God fill the promised Messiah on whom be peace with Nur, that was sent down more than 1,400 years ago. He also granted him the station to spread this nur. The promised Messiah on whom be peace wrote that no one knew him and God compelled him out of his solitude and told him that he would bestow upon him honor and make him renowned all over the world. 
It is a way of God that when He adorns someone with nur, He manifests it to the world. After all, when the worldly light has a capacity to spread, how can the light of God stay hidden? A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to this live edition of the Breakfast Show from South London Studios of Voice of Islam. Today is Monday the 21st of August 2023. The time is 7.20am and we're still talking about the headlines appearing in the newspapers this morning. Um, and uh, it, among the headlines was uh, this uh, this headline which was pretty much splashed across all the papers um, was about the lioness's uh, defeat. Imam Osman, um, your thoughts on the uh, on the loss? Um, to be honest, I didn't watch the match. Right. Um, didn't even follow the World Cup. <laughs> okay. But I did watch the highlights. I did right. watch the highlights of the finals. And uh, from the highlights, what I could see is that Spain was dominating quite a lot. Um, as in they were on the right. offensive. And if you look at the statistics, um, if, like Spain had 13 shots, five on target uh, compared to England, eight shots and only three on target. And Spain had about 60% possession and uh, almost 500 passes compared to England's 362 and uh, there were one important thing in, in, in football is very is, is the pass accuracy as well so you could see that even though Spain attempted to take a lot more passes they, the accuracy was also much better than the England team so you see and just the trend that overall Spain was playing better uh, just uh, you know judging from the stats and the highlights but uh, I'm not sure what happened in the game but uh, um I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, the stats say it yeah. that uh, I think England didn't perform good enough. That's why the yeah. loss. Uh, and and as we were discussing online, I think the fact that um, they reached this far, I think it's, it is in itself um, a great achievement. Right. In uh, in other news, um, uh, so according to the Guardian, uh, scientists hope weight loss drugs could treat addiction and dementia. So uh, they have taken the celebrity world, uh, these drugs have taken the celebrity world by storm as the slimming jab and become a vital tool also for managing type 2 diabetes. Now drugs such as Ozempic are being researched to look at whether they could help conditions ranging from alcohol misuse to dementia. Ozempic, a type 2 diabetes medication, and Vegui, which is licensed for weight loss, contain the drug semaglutide, while a similar drug, liraglutide, is available for both purposes under different brand names. These medications have become hugely popular according to The Guardian, not least because they can help people lose more than 10% of their body weight, but researchers also hope the drugs could bring further benefits and are setting up clinical trials for that purpose. Dr. Christian Hendershot, Director of the Clinical and Translational um, uh, um, and Translational Addiction Research Program at the University of North Carolina, 
um, recently said that we know that drugs in this class are remarkably effective for several important health outcomes, many of which can influence longevity as well as quality of life. In some ways, there is a sense that some of this might be too good to be true, but I think any potential benefits should be investigated. Dr. Harshal Deshmach, who is a consultant endocrinologist and a senior lecturer at the University of Hull, has said excessive weight has been identified as a significant risk factor for a range of uh, uh, conditions, including fatty liver, various cancers, dementia, and cardiovascular diseases. Given these associations, it's not surprising that numerous clinical trials are currently investigating the potential impact of semaglutide on these health conditions. This month, the company that produces Vegovi Novo Nordisk announced a weight loss jab can reduce the risk of major cardiovascular events, such as the stroke or heart, heart attack, by 20% in people who are overweight or living with obesity. But scientists say it is not clear if the results are down to weight loss alone, noting it is possible that drugs could be having direct effects on blood vessels or the heart. So that was a story, um, that is a story carried by The Guardian this morning about um, other uses of the weight loss drugs, uh, which sound uh, promising um, at the moment. Right, uh, Imam Usman, anything that caught your eye this morning? Uh, yes, there's actually uh, two, three things. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, in uh, the, the holiday, holiday firms are urging the Prime Minister to allow Watchdog to find airlines. Because uh, especially this summer, uh, there was many, many uh, flights cancelled. Uh, just a few days ago, my uh, my family members, my relatives, they were flying to Germany. And their flights go cancelled as well. But um, I, I think there was a case here because um, if you look at the condition, what's happening in Germany? There's a clip going uh, a clip on BBC right. about uh, the floods in Germany, and I I don't understand how so much water has gotten to an airport. Wow. Uh, you see, uh, the where the planes are parked, the whole area is flooded. Wow. Uh, water is going through. Uh, the doors Elevators, to the elevators, escalators, escalators yes. and yeah. it's just flooded everywhere. Yeah. And that was just uh, exactly on the day my relatives were flying as well and their flights got cancelled. They had some little babies with them as well and very annoyed. Wow. But uh, again, the the news article I was talking about is that uh, people, uh, the companies are urging prime ministers to uh, give them some a way to find airlines for these uh, these cancelled flights. Um, there were some wildfires in, I think, Greece as well, which caused a lot of people for, uh, especially the UK tourists, um, they couldn't go there or those who have already reached, they couldn't come back. So many holiday providers cancelled flights and package deals uh, this summer due to this issue, um, such as um, air traffic control restrictions, um, wildfires, and uh, this is what left tourists in a limbo. Um so this was all caused by by rain, I would imagine. So there would be the flooding would be yeah, yeah. There was actually a thunderstorm. Wow, it was oh. a thunderstorm for for a long time, and uh, flights were cancelled. But uh, I mean, the 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 listeners can't see this, but if you look, uh, watch this clip, you see that it's it's just a lot of water, oh, uh, oh, almost yeah. 
the, the whole tire of the of the plane is underwater, wow. and the plane's tire is like are, are big. half the size of <laughs> of a human. <laughs> this is uh, incredible. And again, you know, I, uh, we keep on talking about climate change. I guess um, you know it's it's very much happening in front of our eyes. And uh, mm. Germany is certainly not one of the countries uh, which you think when you when you when you think of lack of infrastructure. Definitely, so, yeah. um, you know, this happening in Germany uh, and at an airport in Germany, uh, also in this Frankfurt. Is the Frankfurt, one, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, that not, one is, is a huge it's not some uh, far away, distant land. This is Frankfurt. This is quite incredible. Yeah, and uh, another news article is about a California shop owner who shot dead, who was shot dead over an LGBTQ plus pride flag display. Uh, and that happened in, in California. Um, officials from that county, uh, the sheriff, said that Lu- Laura Ann, who was 66 years old, was pronounced dead at the scene of the shooting on Friday. So a man came to the shop and shot that lady over this LGBTQ um, flag display and her support for those. And the LGBTQ... Uh, Q plus group and uh, the people living nearby the were giving their condolences um, just wanted to mention that even though as you know Islam does not promote the LGBTQ um, actions uh, at the same time Islam does not um, is not in favor or even a hint of um, everybody you know, has human rights allowing uh, yeah. this kind of action which was Any taken violence. here absolutely no, thank you very, very much uh, for that, uh, Imam Usman. Um, let's now take a very quick break. Um, um, and when we come back, we will delve right into the first topic, which is about um, baby monitors and um, the um, uh, the abuse that they uh, appear to be causing, according to some MPs. So please do stay tuned. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to this live edition of the Breakfast Show. We are about to delve into the in the first topic of the morning, which is about baby monitors and smart speak speakers enabling abuse. This, according to some MPs. So, fitness trackers, home security systems, and baby monitors are among the devices that MPs warn are enabling the growing issue of tech-enabled domestic abuse. The Culture, Media and Sports Committee says 
there are on average nine such smart products in UK homes. It found they were being used to monitor, harass, coerce and control victims by collecting recordings and their images. The MP says the MP say the government must tackle this situation ASAP. While the rising popularity of connected technology has brought undoubted benefits to everyday life, the flip side is that the real risk some of these gadgets pose to privacy and personal safety online needs to be addressed as well. This according to Dame Caroline, who chairs this committee. The government must make it a priority to work with manufacturers to tackle this technology-facilitated abuse, which is only going to get worse in the future, she added. Dame Caroline also called for the police and criminal justice system to be better equipped to deal with the problem and for victims to be provided with extra support. The committee has been investigating the issue since May 2022, considering the potential benefits and harms of connected technology, other examples of which include smart speakers as well as virtual assistants. Widely present across the UK at at the moment, their use is expected to mushroom in the coming years. The committee estimates that by 2050, there will be 24 billion interconnected devices worldwide. During this investigation, the committee says it heard evidence that the vast majority of the domestic abuse cases now feature some sort of cyber element, including the use of spyware and perpetrators monitoring movements and collecting recordings and photos of victims and survivors. It identified children as being particularly in need of protection, not just from abuse, but from having their data and personal information harvested and potentially misused, especially as young people are considered more likely to use smart devices. The Government and Information Commission's Commission's Office should make sure products used in schools and by young people at home have privacy settings that are intuitive for children and age-appropriate terms and conditions, according to Dame Caroline. The, the Domestic Abuse Commissioner for England and Wales, Nicole Jacobs, agreed that the onus should be on the tech firms to address this problem. Too often, victims and survivors are expected to keep themselves safe from tech abuse rather than tech companies taking steps to prevent them, she said. While the government has made good progress on some forms of tech abuse through the online safety bill, they must ensure tech companies address all the tools that perpetrators use, including smart home devices. The government spokesperson spokesperson said domestic abuse was a despicable crime ministers were determined to tackle they pointed to the cross-party tackling domestic abuse plan published in March 2022 and more than 230 million pounds of funding provided to prevent offending, support victims and pursue perpetrators. We will introduce world-leading rules next year to bolster cybersecurity standards across devices, protecting individuals' privacy and security, and our online safety bill will become law in a matter of months making the UK the safest place in the world to be online, they added. So um, maybe let's uh, spend a couple of minutes um, uh, talking about this. Um, So uh, to your mind, Imam Usman, what are the pros and cons of uh, using uh, baby monitors uh, or or, um, baby monitors? I know you, you may not be fully aware yet <laughs> of the benefits or the pros um, or the cons for that matter. Smart speakers, Definitely. pros and cons, what do you think? I, I, yes, I don't have like personal experience, but uh, I've seen them around. My Some of my um, 
family members, my uh, my cousins, they have children, and they use this as well. Actually, um, um, the first time I heard about this was when the, my wife mentioned this to me, and uh, so you she, don't have a smart speaker. A smart speaker, no. Okay, well, you, you better get one. You're, I think you're behind. You're, you're behind the curve on that one. one, one. Yeah. Yeah, but she, she, as in, she did mention it in in this context as well. Yeah. Uh, she saw a video or or a clip where uh, a child, a very young child who could speak, maybe let's say four or five years old. Yeah. Came to the parents and they said, uh, "I don't want to sleep in my room. I don't. I don't want to sleep." And they thought that he's just, you know, he's just a bit scared. Something's going on. As he was saying that I, I don't want to sleep in my room. They they talk to me at night and they do this, or this happens. I don't want to talk to them. And they were a bit worried, the parents, but they thought that the children are just, uh, you know, a bit delusional. So they didn't. They ignored it for a week, and then one day that the child refused to sleep in the room. He said, "No, I'm not going to go." They started crying, and said, "Okay, I I will sleep with you. Don't worry." And then. Um, the mother probably slept in that room and mm. they started noticing that somebody is speaking through that baby monitor they had uh, monitoring the child. So, somebody was actually speaking to the child. My God. Uh, I don't know what they were saying, but that is when the, I, I think they probably got rid of that device. Uh, so that, that was my mm. first encounter with these things. And even though it's true, there are so many pros and so many benefits, especially for busy mothers you know if you have multiple children you need to look around mm-hmm. and even um, one of my cousins she puts her baby to sleep and has that you know that device just puts it next to it and she can do whatever she wants and if the baby yeah. cries you can uh, hear it over the over the speaker yes. you can also see the video feed and it definitely has uh, amazing benefits but at the end of the day all technology and internet it uses come down comes down to how you use it Mm. And I think in this regard, uh, His Holiness um, has mentioned so many times, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, the head of Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah be his helper, he's mentioned so many times that, especially to teenagers who are you know, using the internet extensively, um, he said that using the internet is a good thing, you should know about this, you should have uh, detailed knowledge about it. But the main thing is that you should use it for good, uh, you shouldn't use it for things. Um, you shouldn't um, use it for bad things. You shouldn't be involved in it and, uh, for example, uh, waste hours and hours on it to uh, watch something. Sure, but Usman, man, this is a. I mean, this this is issue is is um, is rather very peculiar in nature because you're absolutely right. You know, I have um, uh, I have three kids who are who are grown up now, but uh, uh, in in. <coughs> In my time, I've used baby monitors, and uh, and as you said, that they they are very very um, useful, mm. and it's 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 very very scary that you know people are able to now hack into them, and um, uh, and and scare children and and bully children, and um, <coughs> God knows what kind of people have that that sort of time to to do that activity, but. It's uh, nevertheless, you know, very, very scary. Definitely. I mean, I th- I, you, you were just mentioning the news article as well earlier about the nurse Lucy Letby. Uh, I mean, who killed uh, six Multiple children, yes. Or uh, even, even up to more, 30 yeah. children. Yeah. And uh, I think it's just there's just something wrong with the society, like these people. Mm. It doesn't matter if you give them a monitor to have access, if you give them 
if it's a nurse working at the at, at the hospital, uh, or even if it's your own um, members in the family. There are so many cases where uh, you see that younger children they are um, mentioning that they were abused by one of the relatives. Mm. Uh, I mean, it, it depends obviously how, to what extent, but there are so many cases and. I mean, I I just I, I was very naive in the beginning. I started finding about these things after I got married, mm. and I feel like um, my my wife was still speaking to me about this. That there is so many cases you don't know. As a woman, uh, she says I don't know a single woman in my life who has not been sexually abused, like outside or anywhere. In some cases, some some in some in, in some in form, s- yeah, in some form. Wow, you face that kind of abuse everywhere. And she says that it doesn't matter, you know, if if you if you do your burda properly, if you have your hijab, everything. It's not about that hijab. It's about the people. Mm. That people are such that uh, they will look at you or they will do things regardless of who you are. And then you, you can just imagine. I mean, people spying on babies. Mm. Mm. It's it's a very crazy thing. It must be very ill people. Exactly. That's what exactly what I was thinking. That you know. Absolutely. You've got to be very ill. You've got to be very sick. And um, you've got to have a lot of time on your hands to be able to, to do such a thing, to be able to to be able to speak to a baby. Uh, firstly, hack in somebody's home um, through their Wi-Fi, I presume. And then, um, uh, you know, go into the speaker and start uh, talking to the uh, to the baby or the toddler. This is... Um, Absolutely. Yeah, there was also stuff. some cases about um, it's a very famous um, doorbell. Yeah, I think it's called Ring Ringo or something. Ring. Yeah. Ring. Yeah. Uh, they're very famous on Amazon, and uh, yeah. they also had a case filed against them that they're spying or the, or people are hacking into their software, into their device, and using it to spy on people. I mean, the, the security was compromised, and uh, they were taking pictures and videos and uh, then blackmailing people. Um, Luckily, there are ways you can um, secure your baby monitors or mm. your um, yeah, let's these talk about devices. So, yeah, what, uh, what would the be first thing I think uh, the internet mentions that the change, or which is the most common, I think, uh, step you should take is that there are always default passwords when you buy a new device. Some of them have default passwords. The best thing would be that you change that. Mm. Something... Uh, um, of course, something you remember as something which is not too... Vague. Uh, I mean, everyone I think has that issue that choosing a password um, for for your email, for example, it will it's, be the same password for your. It's a nightmare phone. to, uh, to <laughs> be the same to password for your all bank. The passwords, absolutely. And most people use their date of births. Yeah. Um, well, now they've they've actually you know most of the banks and and even email uh, providers and and others have. Uh, um, now ask you to to use a number, a letter, even a symbol. Yeah. So I think the days of using your <laughs> the simple days of using your date of birth are, are are I think over in most cases. But still, you know, it's a it's it's quite a it's quite a task in itself just mm-hmm. to be able to to remember all the passwords. I mean, on my on my I, phone, I actually have a, a sorry, I actually have a sheet of paper where I've written <laughs> all my passwords because there are so many. Hmm. There's this thing I uh, I'm sure all the phones have about an iPhone you can save that password and uh, it even gives you an option to set a strong password. If you're logging in somewhere or signing up, 
you enter your email and then it gives you an option that choose a strong password which will be saved on the phone and you can access through your face id or fingerprint and those passwords are like capital x y three four dash so it's very complicated so there are these options um it even gives me a message that's because i obviously use the same password almost everywhere as well that gives me a message that your password is compromised it came out in a data leak hmm. um obviously even, even though you're using the the password recommended by an iphone or no 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 that's my like, personal one. oh okay yeah. the other one right okay yeah. right but it does mention that like your password came up in the one with some, your date of birth somewhere. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course i had to change in arthur start thinking of other things but i think i especially older people my mom my dad yeah, they, they have this a, issue it's, uh, it's and if you change the password they, my that. mom gets so angry like sure. why did you change it exactly okay. <laughs> i tell them that it doesn't allow you sometimes it doesn't allow you to do the same password or a similar password yeah exactly can't for 6 your, times or something like yeah. that yeah so that's a, that i mean that's uh, still that's one of the most basic things for the security of your device to change your password mm. if you can do that regularly mm. it's even better Another um thing is to update your um hardware. So uh, most companies always send updates even on phones, laptops which uh, have little bug fixes and they uh they update they fix their security and the vulnerabilities. And then there's other more complicated things you, you can use the encrypted connection. Uh, I don't know how to do that myself. Um your network security some some Wi-Fi's they are open. um mm. very rare now but i mean a bit earlier a few, few years ago there used to be a lot of wifis which are open um and for example if you're sitting in in a cafe that wifi is accessible by everyone yeah. so if you use that wifi and do some banking send some money around mm. your data your details are you know they're just like floating around in that network so any hacker can come uh access that network and with a little bit of skill he can access all your passwords your uh, details your credit cards so that's why they always say if it's open network if it doesn't have security you should uh, avoid using any personal information and there's some other steps as well we can talk about We, later absolutely let's let's um, uh, now go straight to our first guest for this topic who is Emma Emma Pickering who is a senior operations um, uh, at tech abuse uh, manager a senior operations tech abuse manager at refuge assalamu alaikum peace be with you a very warm welcome to the breakfast show thank you very much for having me thank you emma so so tell us about the number one the scale of this problem uh, and uh, and and how do we fix it especially you know we, i don't know whether you uh, listen into the discussion we are having a lot of older people um uh, uh, and i'll include myself in that as well we have trouble remembering passwords and 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 changing passwords is uh, is is not something that we look forward to every day yes of course i mean unfortunately um technology facilitated abuse is increasing we're all connected in some way shape or form online we all have mobile phones we all have to use internet banking email addresses we're all connected online and unfortunately with that comes risk risk of um people misusing that form of abuse um to be able to target harass stalk and monitor their victims and what's really important is that we try and um, empower people to stay online safely and we do that by a number of ways which is we try and encourage people to be able to use technology safely we encourage them to be able to check their settings navigate their settings be familiar with their features 
And as you mentioned there, changing passwords, etc. So there's a number of ways in which you can do that. You can have a password manager, but it's important within that password manager that you have a safe password that the person um, that potentially could be abusing you wouldn't be able to guess. So it needs to be something quite unique mm. and not something that they're going to be able to unpick. Sure. So, so how um, how prevalent do you think is this problem, uh, especially around smart speakers um, and and smart monitors? We see a number of different forms of technology being misused, um, from tracking devices and children's devices being monitored through post separation abuse, um, you know, being gifted technology during child contact. Um, tracking devices placed on personal items or within personal items and home devices as well being misused to monitor and survey victims from within the home. Um, it's in nearly all of our cases now um, that we're supporting survivors through um, refuge. And it's, it's only going to be increasing with the more devices that we bring within the home and the more um, connected technology that we're using. Thank you, Emma. Just a, a quick question. Um, you were mentioning uh, change passwords as well. Um, um, I was just thinking that you would, I would assume you know the other story, uh, on of the other side. What the how the hacker has to access your device, and do you think just changing your password is is a good step? Is, is that good security? Just changing it, or does does those those people who want to access your device do they have ways that they can crack any password with with a code or, um. Anything yes. like this? Yes, there are there are ways in which you know somebody is monitoring a device, syncing a device from another account, so they're monitoring their interactions. They could be using monitoring such as stalkerware, which will enable that person to see every person's online activity, read their messages, etc. And what what's important then is if you suspect that that is happening to you, that you use a safe phone to try and contact an agency for support to develop a safety plan. Um, and by safe phone, what I mean is a burner phone, a phone that, that's cheap, that won't have tracking-enabled features within them, um, and that you can keep and store that somewhere safely that the, the person that's harassing and monitoring you would not be able to find and locate. And that could be a trusted family or friend or at a workplace. Because, as you've mentioned, obviously, changing passwords is one potential safety feature, but there are many others that you need to be able to try and manage as well alongside that. Would you know, Emma, if the Wi-Fi routers at home, um, for home use that are being uh, that are being sold these days, have two something like two-factor authorization? Um, some do, but what's important is whenever you're you obviously have your Wi-Fi um, connected box, what you do is you always change the password because that unique password that you're gifted with is not unique. Um, mm. Anybody be able to find that information. So it's really important that you don't assume that when you're given that box and you set it up and you, you connect your devices to it, that people can't access it. That's why, you know, securing with your own unique password is really important. The same if you have booster password um, booster boxes throughout the home as well. You also secure those passwords. Okay. Um, let's maybe talk a little bit about um, the organization you work for. So tell us a little bit about Refuge. The Refuge are the UK's um, largest single provider of domestic abuse services um, in England and Wales. And we run the National Domestic Abuse Helpline. And within that, we also have outreach services, <coughs> refuge-based accommodation services. And we also have the Specialist Technology Facilitated and Economic Empowerment Team, which is the, the service that I oversee. Mm -hmm. Great. Thanks, Emma. Uh, um, can you tell us 
more about domestic abuse. Um, how does it affect men, women? Uh, unfortunately, children get caught into the uh, into this as well. So, what do the uh, statistics tell us? Um, and who is more prone to abuse at home? So, we know that statistics show us that women are more prone to domestic abuse. On average, twenty percent. 27% of women in England and Wales have experienced domestic abuse, so that equates to one in four women. Uh, men, we know, can be victims as well. Um, domestic abuse 2021 classified children um, as being affected by domestic abuse as survivors themselves. It's the first time that the Domestic Abuse Act recognised that children are victim survivors. Um, and then more than just being caught in the middle of you know, witnessing the abuse, they are directly impacted by domestic abuse. Children can be used post-separation abuse, and as I was mentioning before, they can be um, misused. Children can um, be abused, sorry, via the misuse of technology, so that can be gift in tech to track, to monitor, to survey, and that can be for a number of reasons, to monitor the, um, the non-abusive parent or also the children themselves. How can victims get in touch with you? So they can contact the National, the National Domestic Abuse Helpline, um, and that is on 0808 247. They can also, if they're not sure if there is technology-facilitated abuse, they can contact um, our Refuge Tech Safety website, which is www.refugetechsafety.org.uk. And when they land on that website, they can um, review the information, they can secure their technology. And we also have resources on there now that covers you know, what is economic abuse, how to secure their online banking features on their online financial accounts. Right. Uh, and, and finally, any other advice that you'd like to give to, to someone who may be listening in and experiencing domestic abuse? I think that it's really important just to say, trust your instincts. If you know something isn't right, um, reach out for support. You will be believed. You will be listened to. Contact the National Domestic Abuse Helpline contact on a safe phone if, if you're concerned that you're being tracked and monitored it's really really important to always reach out on a safe device um, and yeah please do contact us if you're not sure and it can happen to anybody so if um, you know of somebody or you think that you know a family member friend is being abused to try and navigate them towards the National Domestic Abuse Helpline or if they're not ready themselves contact us and support and we can give advice as well to family and friends Excellent um, thank you very, very much, Emma. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Really appreciate you. uh, your contribution to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Peace be with you. So that was Emma Pickering, who is the Senior Operations um, Tech Abuse Manager at Refuge and talking to us uh, earlier about the work that they do as well as about uh, the solutions that are and help that that's available out there, not only for victims of domestic abuse, but also for, uh, you know, um, something like we were talking about, which is, uh, you know, even baby monitors and smart speakers now being used for uh, for enabling uh, abuse, um, which is um, which is really a shame uh, of, uh, you know, um, of, of, of technology, a very shameful use of, uh, of technology, I should say. Um, Right, uh, we are coming up to um, uh, to the top of the hour, um, and we will now take a quick break. And when we come back um, after the news break, we will talk about the Islamic perspective of rights of other people, uh, how important it is in Islam 
to um, uh, to have uh, to have societal rights, to have a to have a society. How how much emphasis Islam places on having a peaceful, harmonious society, where the rights of everybody are being looked at? Something that uh, that's not um, unfortunately talked about much in in the mainstream media. But as you will listen, um, uh, um, if you join us back, as you will be able to listen in. Uh, Islam places huge emphasis on that, and 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 there are rights um, of everybody, um, starting with the rights of neighbors. So um, do stay tuned. We will now take a, a break, and we will be back after the eight o'clock news. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> ٹیکنالوجی بٹ وی وانٹ یوز دیٹ ٹاپک اینڈ ٹاک اباؤٹ دا رائٹ ان جنرل um of the vulnerable segments in the society namely the um the women and children so um imam usman uh, firstly let, let's maybe start with children what what sort of rights are guaranteed um by islam for children um yeah in terms of rights um um children have uh, many rights uh, just uh, like any other i mean there's not much differentiation between a an an adult and a child in terms of rights um, they have the same right they have the right to privacy children have right to education the right to having a good upbringing um if you talk in this context um um the children uh who are being uh, targeted or who have faced such abuse or um you know um, uh, um who have uh, faced maybe some bullying online uh they it does affect them a lot and you see as i was mentioning earlier as well that cases come out later when the children have the courage to speak about this uh or or maybe that one incident where a child even though he was very young he said that um, i don't want to sleep in that room somebody mm. speaks to me yeah. uh i think the more than the rights of the children Uh, I think it's the responsibility of the parents um to to make sure they, they have to seek out these things. Mm. I mean in today's society with technology there's like everything is technology. Mm. Um 
even uh, before it used to be only children who were on their phones all the time now it's parents as well yeah. and it's just gonna keep getting i mean worse yeah. but also uh, as in better for the uh, technology but it's gonna get worse in terms of how people start using the, this technology mm. now it, you saw you see these uh, news articles are coming out stories are coming out so this is a this is like an alarm for the parents that if you do have like a baby monitor any any device which can connect you um even your phones uh, there was i'm not sure how true that is but um people spying on their laptop cameras mm-hmm. uh, people have they used to buy these things which cover the camera mm-hmm. uh, I, i don't know how how affected that is or how true that is because i, I don't use it personally even if someone spying on me or what's going to happen yeah. but for but that can happen yes yeah but it's it's about it has it's about happened, the yes. it's about the um, the the concept and, and the consequences mm. that let's say if it's true if it does happen mm. or it probably does happen um you have you have children at home you have women at home and somebody can spy through that camera so that, at one point that was quite a quite a thing so everyone was covering the cameras to me it looked a bit stupid i mean you have you don't need to do that I mean, one guy he put like tape on it I said that's like that's like a permanent solution yeah. what if you won't need to use it so these things like if you have these such things at home you need to be aware that you need to look at your child everywhere if your child is on the phone alone that's uh, another thing that they, mm. they they shouldn't be on their phone alone you know they can children are very smart they can easily access other apps um if they're watching videos on youtube for example um or other websites there's advertisement which you can't control um that's why there's apps like youtube kids which are very uh, kid friendly mm. uh so it's it's more about the responsibility of the parents that they um they put the extra effort in um to safeguard their children from these things and i think the the main thing is not to ignore anything um mm. I, i don't know as as a mother but I, i'm sure that mothers do get annoyed by children all is nagging them all is you know following them yeah anybody would yeah, yeah they, they need yeah. some you know some some time as well and then mm. uh now it is easy you just give your child like play them a video and they'll mm. sit there quietly mm. um i have a niece if if she wants to eat you have to play something on the phone otherwise yeah. she's not going to eat <laughs> right exactly so uh but then it, it it does take off some um burden off you mm. but it also increases the burden on the other side where you have to make sure that um that device is safe yeah. uh, your child is accessing safe websites mm. uh, and on the internet i mean it takes a second for for a child to go the wrong way exactly and it's yeah. so easy to do before it used to be laptops or pcs mm. you know those those mm. big uh, with those uh, big um, motherboards and yeah. where you have to sit on the pc so it was less um, private but now phones you can be on your phone uh, uh, under your bed sheet mm. to the toilet outside anywhere yeah. it's so easy to access these things and yeah. uh, the, the government does not really do much about this um mm. in terms of child safety on the internet it should be a lot lot more mm. uh, it's i know it's hard to control but they definitely have to look into this and and the tech companies have to take more responsibility for this absolutely um Are there any examples uh we're talking about the rights of children um are there any examples um in the life of the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him um he had uh two grandkids uh from his uh, from his daughter fatima uh, fatima radhiyallahu anha um and the, the sons were hazrat imam hasan and hazrat uh, imam hussein 
Um, any, any examples from the life of the Holy Prophet when you know they that uh, where he would have um, um, uh, where he would have shown the importance of uh, keeping children first or taking care of 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 children. I think one incident which comes to mind is, uh, I would say the how important it is to teach a child uh, when he's doing something wrong. Mm. I mean, uh, how important it is that not to let it slide, even if it's like the smallest thing. Uh, first, there's there's a story which is it's not the narration of the Holy Prophet, it's just a story I heard is that um, there was a young man who was being sentenced to death. Um, he did something terrible. They're being sentenced. He's about to be hanged, and he said, "What's your last wish?" And he said, "I want to speak to my mother." And they said, "Okay, of course." Uh, so they called um, his mother. She came, and he said that I need to tell you something in your ear. I need to whisper something. And she came closer. And when she came closer, that man he bit off the ear of her mother, of his mother. Mm. And the people thought he's crazy. And then he explained himself. He said that. If you had stopped me when I stole that pencil oh. from school, I wouldn't be here. Oh. Or if you had stopped me when I stole like five pounds from, from here and there oh. and you didn't say anything, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. So that I started as, I, I didn't want to become a thief or like a like a criminal like I am today. But because I was raised this way, I wasn't taught this is wrong, this is right. Yeah. Or when I was taught, by that time it was too late. So in this in this regard, there's a narration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, that one of his grandchildren, um, I don't know which one, he was, he took a date, and he put it in his mouth, mm. and the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he, he came to him, he put his mouth in his, uh, he put his hands in his mouth, he took out that date, mm. and he scolded him, and he said that that's not yours, this yeah. is not yours, yeah. and then it turns out that date was actually meant to be uh, given in charity. Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, if, if a little child takes a date from the charity, it's mm. no big harm. But the essence behind this was to teach that child that mm. charity is for the people who yeah. need it. Yeah. If you start eating from charity, mm. slowly, slowly, you will start taking money from other people. Exactly. You, know? right. you will start, um, uh, maybe you will start neglecting them after a while. Mm. So it, this is the first step. So I think this is a very important, even though the Holy Prophet loved his grandchildren so much that when he used to pray, uh, they would climb on his back. Yeah, that, that's the example that I was thinking of. Exactly that, yeah. uh, you know, that, you know, he loved them so much and, and he would uh, give preference to to what they were doing or give so much regard to they were, what they were doing that, uh, you know, even, um, uh, and, and we know how much, um, how important uh, it is in Islam uh, to to be totally focused on um, uh, uh, on the Almighty when you're praying, to be fo- totally focused and and concentrated in in prayer. But he he allowed that to happen. So yeah yeah go ahead. So narrate what happened. Yeah. So he he was praying and he went uh, down in prostration, and his uh, grandchildren came and they jumped on his back and playing around. And uh, today we see if you if you go to the mosque or you see anyone's child messing about, you see their parents being very angry with them. Mm. Uh, like pushing them or pulling them like don't do that uh, but the Holy Prophet he, he remained in his prostration until the, the children on his back his grandchildren they're playing around and it, uh, it, it mentions yeah. in the narration that it, it was a very long time mm. and then once they were tired and they got off yeah. then uh, he 
you got our previous presentation. Yeah. Um, I think just showing and emphasizing that children, they have feelings, they are, yeah. they have emotional intelligence, which in, in especially in younger um, ages, which is very important. You need to take care of that. So these are the the, the rights of the children and the importance of um, sure. the, um, the the importance of the. What was I talking about? The responsibilities of the parents uh, to make sure, and especially today about uh, these devices. There's a narration in 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 the in Bukhari mm-hmm. compilation of the narrations in Bukhari and in Muslim uh, that which talks about um, people eavesdropping and spying on people, and it mentions that such a person who who who's an eavesdropper or who spies on people, he will not enter heaven, and the Holy Prophet has. Uh, commanded his people to be aware of suspicion uh, do not eavesdrop do not spy on another and do not envy another because all these things um, they start you know that chain reaction which which causes issues which we are, we are talking about right now about spying on babies yeah, absolutely thank you very very much for that uh, uh, detailed overview Imam Usman Manan uh, and that brings us towards the end of the first segment. We will now take a very quick break. And when we come back, we will delve into the second topic, which is about cricket and about the new 100-ball tournament, which will be broadcast on BBC. Um, and we will talk about uh, what that is all about. So do stay tuned. The Holy Quran states, Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. An-Nur is that being through whose light a physically blind person sees and a person who has gone astray finds guidance. It is that being who is apparent and through whom all things are manifested. His being is apparent in himself and makes things evident for others as well. The true light is God, which can be perceived in everything by those with insight. However, one who is devoid of spiritual sight cannot see it. A believer is firm on the belief that the universe that can be observed, as well as the universe that cannot be observed, is created by God. In order to give an understanding of this light, God sends His chosen people who spread the nur, which comes down from the heavens throughout the world. The promised Messiah, on whom be peace, writes, that light of high degree that was bestowed on perfect man was not in angels, was not in the stars, was not in the moon, was not in the sun, was not in the oceans or the rivers, was not in rubies or emeralds, or sapphires or pearls. In short, it was not in any earthly or heavenly object. It was only in perfect man whose highest and loftiest 
and most perfect example was our Lord and Master, the Chief of the Prophets, the Chief of all living ones, Muhammad, the Chosen One. Peace and blessings of Allah be on him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, set the most excellent example and the highest standard of nur, which was established as a reflection of the light of God and which will continue till the day of judgment. The nur he received was conveyed to his companions and established excellent morals amongst them, so much so that he likened them to the stars. After the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, the reflection of God's light was the promised Messiah on whom be peace. This was due to complete subordination of his master. Not only did God fill the promised Messiah on whom be peace with nur that was sent down more than 1,400 years ago, he also granted him the station to spread this nur. The promised Messiah on whom be peace wrote that no one knew him and God compelled him out of his solitude and told him that he would bestow upon him honor and make him renowned all over the world. It is a way of God that when he adorns someone with nur, he manifests it to the world. After all, when the worldly light has a capacity to spread, how can the light of God Stay hidden. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Today is Monday, the 21st of August 2023. The time is 8.21. And we're about to delve into the second topic, which is very interesting, actually, which is about cricket, something that um, that I watch, I enjoy, I play, um, certainly used to play a little bit as well. So, um, um, cricket, in the world of cricket, uh, the English cricket board, board has uh, started off uh, a new tournament uh, when i say new it's 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 been going on for uh, uh for for at least uh, uh, two three years now um and it's the 100 ball tournament so as we know in cricket you know we have many other formats so it started off as a test match which was you know six seven even probably eight days when it started off um Really, really tests you that, that game. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, the, the players and the viewers, <laughs> the audience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so there's there's still Test cricket, which is now um, which is a five day match. Then there is uh, what is called a one day cricket match, and uh, the World Cup for which is about to happen in India uh, starting October. Then we uh, also over the last uh, uh, two or three decades. Uh, have uh, have seen T20 cricket really flourish. So, so T20 really is a 20-over match each side. Um, and uh, that m- match usually takes about four hours. Um, so it's um, less than half a day as opposed to the full-day cricket match. And now this is uh, um, uh, an even bigger innovation. So that's a 100-ball tournament, which is 
about 14 overs, a little more than 14 overs um, aside. So um, this particular tournament is beginning on the 21st of July. It will be broadcast extensively across uh, BBC. How many games, uh, Usman Menan, uh, will be played um, uh, in this uh, in this tournament? Maybe uh, take us so viewers uh, through the yeah. There, there will be eighteen games shown uh, live on BBC TV and uh, iPlayer as well, um, which is consisting of ten men's and eight women's matches, um, and as well as the finals, they will also be shown. The first match of the hundred is a women's fixture between uh, Oval. Invincibles and Manchester Originals, so the two clubs uh, that will be live on BBC Two. And during the competition, the lead presenter Isha Gusha, um, Isha Gusha, will be joined by uh, Michael Vaughan and Phil Tufnell, as well as uh, Carlos Brathwaite and England women's captain Heather Knight for insight and analysis. Um, the award-winning tail and tailender podcast team including Greg James Felix White and James Anderson will also be part of the TV coverage during the competition so every game men's and women's will be broadcast on uh, BBC Radio 5 Live or 5 Live Sports Extra accompanied by a hundred playlist on uh, BBC Sounds and BBC Introduction and uh, so these are all the platforms where you can watch it or listen to it and uh, um, follow um, this which is Mm. Um, it began 21st July, actually. Um, absolutely. So, um, the so what is this uh, this um, hundred ball tournament uh, or game about? So, hundred is a new hundred ball cricket tournament, and I got my maths wrong earlier. It's not 14. It's about uh, get a little less than 17 overs. Um, and this uh, tournament started first in the summer of 2021. The tournament consists of eight men and eight women's teams from major cities across England and Wales. The male and female games take place uh, together uh, alongside each other. The 2023 season, season of the 100 started um, uh, has only started and will continue until the 27th of August. The final this year will be taking place at the Lord's Cricket Ground in London. Unlike in, uh, so what are the rules of the game? So unlike in T20 cricket, where each game consists of 20 overs equivalent to 120 balls, this new form of cricket, there are only 100 balls per innings, which is uh, which comes to approximately 17 overs, a little less than 17 overs. And just like any other game of cricket, the team with most runs wins uh, the match, or uh, the team which uh, takes most wickets. The fielding side... Uh, a change ends after uh, every 10 balls. Each bowler can deliver a maximum of 20 balls in one game with either 5 or 10 consecutive balls. So that's the that's the major difference here um, as opposed to um, each bowler delivering um, uh, 28 balls, I think it is, in the, um, uh, in the T20. As well as this, um, a 25 ball power play is given to each team in the beginning of the innings. Let's now go straight to our guest for this segment, who is William Roberts from the Youth Sports Trust. Asalaamu Alaikum, peace be with you. A very warm welcome to The Breakfast Show. Yeah. Lovely to have you. Um, tell us a little bit. Um, you are obviously the Chief Operating Officer at the Youth uh, Sports Trust. 
tell us a little bit about firstly your thoughts on uh, on T20 cricket. Have you are you a cricket fan? I love cricket. Yeah, uh, lots of family play at, at different levels, recreational uh, across the country. Yeah, excellent. What are your thoughts on? Um, uh, so you know, we started off with Test cricket, then we had One Day cricket, then T Twenty, and now the Hundred Ball. So, do you think the game is headed in the right direction? It's a really good question. I think what the uh, the England team's done recently to change the way they play Test cricket has perhaps changed the dynamic in the conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Test cricket was probably deemed as being quite slow and hard to follow and but mm. you know, certainly a big commitment across a number of days yeah. um, hence I guess moving to the shorter formats because they'd be more accessible for more of us but I think all all the formats have got a lot to offer and a, a real good challenge for the players as well um, What about the one day uh, game? Mm. There, there has been uh, some criticism re- recently some players, I think it was uh, Ben Stokes as well who said that um, uh, I think a couple of years ago that the the one day uh, game now in the new format in the new um, uh, era is is neither here nor there. So you have Test cricket, which a lot of players mm-hmm. enjoy, um, and as you're saying that um, you know crowds have begun to enjoy that as well because of the new style. And then there is a T20, which is which is hugely popular as well. Your thoughts on the one day game? Uh, the, I guess you know the fifty over the ODI format has changed over time as well. I can remember as a child watching. 60 overs, um, limited overs cricket as well. So, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm not a cricket expert in that extent. I guess the players and the administrators in the sport know what's best. But I, I guess for, for the players, the 50 over game might decline given that T20 and the 100 has mm. taken such a, a prominent role globally as well. Have you seen any 100 game? I've not been to any hundred game, but ironically, I was listening to you before talk about the you know the number of overs it's the equivalent to. And when I was at school, that was almost exactly the format we played in our school's cricket. So back in the nineties in Stoke, <laughs> um, it was actually it was sixteen overs aside for school cricket. So yeah, yeah, they they probably um, uh, have. have um uh, have taken your idea across then <laughs> <laughs> the English cricket board absolutely you you should have patented that at that time <laughs> I missed out yeah you missed out right so um, do, do, do you think it's going to be a major difference I mean we're talking about 17 overs here and then uh, you know the, the T20 is a 20 match do you think it's a this is a sort of a, a big step forward in the development of the game I think I think what cricket and the ECB are trying to do is create a format that it's 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 less about actually the difference in the number of balls that are bowled it's more about trying to create a product and present it in a way that is attractive to more people and mm. you know you sport trust we're a children's charity so anything that any sport can do with its professional mm. game to make it more attractive and exciting to young people um, is something that I think we would support because our main interest is using the you know the life-changing benefits of sport to help any young person in their life so i think you know that the difference of 18 balls or 20 balls whatever the difference is between 220 and the 100 i think it's more the that that's less of the the rationale if you like and that's a package you're saying yeah and it's more about can we package it all up in a way that Mm. inspires more kids from all of our communities to think cricket's what they want to be part of and that's 
from our perspective at eSport Trust, that, I think that's really exciting innovation. Excellent. So, yeah, let's let's uh, talk about your organization then. Mm. So, Youth Sports Trust. Tell us what the work that you do and um, and how are you able to involve um, children in, mm. in sporting activity and how important do you think that is? Oh, well, we think sport's fundamental to a, a happy and healthy life of any young person. So, our vision is of a future where every child enjoys the life-changing benefits that can come from playing sport. We passionately believe that urgent action needs to be taken to support those many young people who are experiencing a range of disadvantages, particularly post-pandemic. And we want to support young people to themselves drive a generational shift in how sport is experienced in the digital age. So really get young people to drive their own future. And through doing so, hopefully transform society's attitudes and perceptions of how important it is to be physically active, to, to play any physically active game uh, and to play sports. So we do that working with teachers, working with young leaders themselves in sport who run activities for themselves and their peers. And we also deliver a range of targeted interventions um, in schools predominantly using sport as a vehicle for young people. Thanks, Will. Um, what would you say is the best way to like, encourage um, adults as well as uh, younger children to get into sports? I have some friends, they, they th- I mean, for them, sports is like going going on a walk and do some mm. shopping, uh, whereas they, they, they're not interested in intensive, you know, sport activities. So how can you, you know, encourage them to get into this? Sure. I mean, it, for, for me, I think the... The best way in that example to get to encourage if you like and support friends who might be less active to get active is bring a group of friends together you know we 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 all love doing stuff with our friends don't we you know the opportunity to get together with a group of people you kind of share a bond with is a positive experience anyway um so then creating a fun happy and memorable experience where that physical activity that sport that game is at the heart of of that, that really good experience, that good day out, I think is a really good way to get people involved. Um, I think also, you know, asking people what kind of activities they do enjoy or would enjoy more of um, so that they get more of a choice so they can kind of think on their feet and go, you know, actually, maybe I don't consider myself to be sporty, hmm. but I do enjoy this kind of thing. So let's let's start at the position of what they do enjoy doing and then take it from there. But I'm a firm believer that there are things that we can all enjoy doing um, so that sport and physical activity is something that just becomes part of our life as opposed to feeling like we have to do it because we all know what the health benefits are. <laughs> yeah. um, but that that's not persuasive, is it? it we have to mm. create things that are an enjoyable experience. And I think for those of us who do love physical activity and games and sport, you know, it's on us to, to try and create those opportunities for our friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yourself are a coach as well. Um, in terms of, you know, coaching, um, how do you think, um, if you're coaching a, a teenager or a younger person, how much or how important is the coach uh, in that person's development in the game? Look, I, think, I think the role of coaches is huge and it's probably undervalued in many circumstances i mean you know fundamentally when i talk about my coaching um socially with my friends i tend to talk more about the the children young people who i coach as opposed to the sports that i'm actually coaching 
Um, mm-hmm. And that, that for me sums it up. You know, a good coach that infuses children is invested in the children, the teenagers, in in helping them live a you know a happy, fulfilled, active life, um, as opposed to necessarily being obsessed with the sport itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's it. You think it's uh, it's like bonding a, a a making an emotional connection uh, rather than just like you know teaching him the game. Yeah, gosh, I mean, it, you know, if we all think back to our school days, it was the teachers who um, demonstrated an interest in us as people who we probably remember most and had the strongest relationships, as opposed to you know just the subject, and we therefore learnt more about that subject as a result. So. Yes, Absolutely. Yes. In any circumstances, coaching, teaching, um, relating to the people that you're dealing with, helping them feel comfortable, happy, like they're respected, um, and that you're interested in them is is fundamental. Mm-hmm. And what's what's the biggest challenge you faced so far as a coach? Um, what was the most difficult thing? Oh wow! You would have to do. Yeah. Well. The, game yeah. part or was it the emotional part <laughs> <laughs> well you know I was lucky in my coach development a number of years ago to get mentored by a really experienced coach who I respected and he said you know too many coaches get obsessed by their win-loss ratio and he said mm-hmm. the real win-loss ratio is how many kids finish the season as part of your group versus how many started the season and if you've lost kids over the course of the season then you know, you should probably consider how you've approached your coaching. So I think that was a really good guide for me. Um, and the, for, for me, the biggest challenge in any coaching situation is, and the, the biggest reward as well is finding that thing that will give the children you're working with that sense of belonging that I think sport can really give so that they feel that the sport <clears throat> environment, that coaching group, that training session is something they really want to go to. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the real the real magic so yeah building that sense of belonging um, and really inspiring those children to feel that's the place they want to be great and uh, do you have any success stories how has the work you're doing or your organization impacted some someone's life and I mean they they kind of mentioned that to you or sure well I mean in terms of it, I'm trying to think cricket specifically given the the premise of this morning's conversation. So a couple of stories, if I can. Um, First of all, we we worked with um, an organization called Sporting Equals and other partners in sport called the um, the Spirit of 2012 Trust. And we ran a program for three years called Breaking Boundaries, which used um, the sport of cricket to drive community cohesion. Mm -hmm. And we had some wonderful examples in um, cricket clubs around the country, running events that brought together young people from a whole range of different communities, um, some of whom you'd really not expect to play and be interested in cricket. So, for example, in Slough, cracking example where we got um, youngsters from more traditional cricket-playing communities who actually uh, worked with uh, young people from Eastern European backgrounds, um, which you you certainly wouldn't typically uh, associate with playing cricket. And they use the power of cricket not just to get those youngsters playing, but also getting them really committed to being part of a community with young people from, um, you know, a whole range of, of other backgrounds, as I say, who were fundamental to cricket. So I think the power of cricket to bring young people together was fantastic in that. 
But the, the second example is we also work with the cricket charity Chance to Shine, um, who run a fantastic street program that puts on free weekly cricket sessions in areas where young people have fewer chances to play the sport. So no specific kits needed. You can weigh what you wish. Uh, and the majority, the significant majority of participants come from um, non-white British backgrounds. So um, really uh, targeted program. Um, and actually the coaches, what I wanted to say about that, because we were talking about coaches before, is that the street coaches tend to come from the communities that they deliver in. And I think, you know, you were saying what's the real magic in coaching. And I think yeah. a big chunk of it is showing the young people that, as I said before, that they can belong. And often that's, you know, it's important that the, the coach is someone who's from the community, from a similar background to those young people, so that they can really feel that this is something for them. Um, and, you know, Chance to Shine do a really great job of that. Um, as, as colleagues of ours and we deliver some of their coach education at eSport Trust so kind of comes full circle for our involvement in cricket there. Mm -hmm. And you, do you only work with uh, cricket or in, 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 in cricket? Or? No, yeah so we, we, we've got a big partnership with um, the FA, the Football Association um, with a partner to improve and increase the number of girls playing football in schools um, mm -hmm. so it's been a been a big old few weeks with the Women's World Cup and yeah. um, many, many girls would have been inspired by the Lionesses all the way through that and, and want to play more and there's huge growth in the girls game um, of football. So again, we partner with the Football Association um, to work in that way. But we, we our, our fundamental interest at Youth Sport Trust is young people experiencing any sport and that sport meaning something in that young person's life so that they can achieve more. Um, so whatever the sport would be if that sport approached us with an idea that they thought would be good to test in schools we'd be there with them because we think sport's fundamental to a happy and healthy child Excellent, thank you very very much Will for joining us this morning you are the Chief Executive Officer at the Youth Sports Trust thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and thank you very much for sharing some of your success stories as well and all the best uh, with all the great work that you're doing. And I hope and pray that um, the number of children that you started off coaching this season um, uh, <laughs> is actually less than the, the, the number of children you end up coaching this season. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, thank you very much once again. Uh, peace with you. Have a lovely day and the rest of the week. Thank you. So that was uh, Will Roberts from the Youth Sports Trust. Right. We've got about, uh, Imam Amanan, we've got about 15 or so minutes uh, uh, before we have to end the show. Um, let's talk about uh, cricket then. <laughs> like, yeah, let's talk about cricket and let's maybe talk also about sports in general. And I, and I want, yeah. want to maybe focus a little bit on is the importance that, um, uh, you know, physical activity, that is importance that Islam places on, on physical activity and important that is. And and for that reason, um, let me start with the institute that you are a graduate of, which is the Institute of Theology and Modern Languages, which is an institute um, in Hampshire run by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, and you are, as an imam, a graduate of that. You studied seven years in that. How much emphasis was given to physical education, to, to, to physical activity in um, uh, during those seven years um, at the institute? Yes, I think I was uh, I was very lucky that uh, um, you know the, the, my institute, the university, the, the other schools they provide these facilities because when after I've left, I realize that how difficult it is to 
actually get involved in a sport or um, have friends to make time to do this, to play mm. sports and uh, games. But yeah, in, my, in, my, in that institution, Jam Ahmadiyya, um, the importance of physical activity, because Islam has um, puts a lot of importance on your physical health. Um, there's a narration of the Holy Prophet which says that uh, a, a healthy and strong and healthy believer is better than a weak mm. uh, believer. Uh, even though in terms of their, their faith, it, there's no difference. But if you're healthy, what are you able to do? You are able to perform your duties properly. Whereas if you're weak, you will always need help from others to do things. Um, let's say you want to move a house, for example, very small uh, mm. thing. You want to move a house. You, you don't have the physical strength to do this by yourself. You're going to have to help someone, uh, ask for mm. help. Whereas if you are a strong and healthy person, you can help others do this. Mm. So in, in that sense, that a healthy believer is better than a uh, strong and healthy believer is better than a weak believer. Uh, in that sense, that you are able to perform your duties better, and um, not just your uh, as in your duties include a lot of things. For example, in, my, in the institution when I was studying, our duty was to study. Now you can't study if you're tired and uh, mm. weak. Now it's true after like an intensive sports session, you are tired. Mm. Uh, but the the purpose of that session was not to make you tired; is to make you stronger yeah. after that fatigue goes away. Yeah. When you go to the gym. You know, you, you lift some weights. What it actually does, uh, scientifically, it, it breaks down your muscle, and then when the, your body rebuilds that muscle using protein, it strengthens it mm. more than last time. Mm. So, the the only way to move forward is is to you know break down. So there, there's no there's no success without failure, that kind of philosophy. So we had we had we kind of had to do sports every day. That was part of our timetable. Mm. So we had our our studies you know, eight to two. And then uh, we had we had our prayers, had some lunch, and then in, in the evening usually we would have sports time, and there was attendance outside, so everyone has to go out. How long was up. the time for sports? Uh, uh, it was plenty. It was like uh, one to two hours. Right. So in the yeah. summer you would have more time, obviously, mm. and in the winter, but um, yeah. even if you did a bit less, it would have worked. Right. But uh, I mean, even if, if whether you want it or not, you have to go out. What it's raining, if it's cold, if it's sunny, whatever the weather, mm. you have to go out, line up in your classes. Um, they take attendance, and uh, there was like some compulsory two laps you have to do mm. of that ground. Mm. And after that, you can go to wherever you want. If you want to play football, uh, we had badminton organized. Um, there was a um, it was called the Edge, like a facil- uh, facility, a leisure center. Where we used to book the badminton courts. Okay. Uh, we used to book uh, in the winter. We used to book football pitches because right. it used to get too dark to play outside. Right. Um, and then we had basketball. We would, we would play basketball. Um, apart from that, we had tennis. We had. Um, that was on campus, I would imagine. That yeah. was on campus. Yeah. Yes. Um, even though that tennis court was very rough, it, it was made from concrete. Mm. So if you want to play on that, you you kind of risking your. The, Risking a lot, yeah. But I think they they are trying to improve that as well. Yeah. Um, apart from that, we have we had uh, tournaments, um, mm. oh, uh, interclass tournaments. Yeah. In football, we had basketball tournaments. We had we even had played cricket tournaments. Mm. Uh, we don't have a, a very nice cricket pitch there, but mm. uh, what we used to do is um, uh, used to play either indoors cricket sometimes, mm. um, or. Or during Jalsa, yeah. <laughs> during Jalsa Salana, which just recently happened, during yeah. Jalsa, they set up marquees 
for accommodation and food. But and the first two weeks, those markets are empty, and that's <laughs> like the perfect space to use, use those for <laughs> yeah, to, to play the game. Uh, and yeah, and there was different um, competitions. Um, at the end of the year, there's we have a we have a sports day, an mm. annual sports event, mm. uh, which is like the highlight of mm. um, the sports. And then this is where we have different houses, you know. And then mm. if you've seen Harry Potter. The, like a house a Slytherin Gryffindor yeah, yeah. we also have five houses and then the, all of the students are divided in those houses and the, the annual sports happens and you compete um, so there's there's a lot going on and there's a lot of uh, opportunities uh, I started playing squash in, in, in mm. Jamia mm-hmm. uh, there, a sport I've a sp- never heard about before <laughs> there, there's a squash court no, yeah, uh, nearby. We, oh, okay, you need to rent that out. Yeah. But I, okay. what I'm saying is that the institute provided these yeah, facilities. Yeah, okay. uh, so opportunities um, available, yes. Yeah, so they would, for example, now now we have to, if I want to play with my friends, badminton or football, whatever, we, we have to buy that place. We have to buy the book mm. to pitch ourselves, whereas before it was booked under the institute mm. for the purpose of helping you um, increase your health, yeah. which is... Um, uh, an important thing. So now you understand that the the facilities schools offer here, mm. the facilities colleges have, that how this is actually very. Um, we shouldn't take that for granted because once you don't have that, then it will be difficult. Uh, the biggest problem I think I'm facing right now, personally, is is finding people to play with me. Mm, Everybody's okay. busy. Um, what example, sport are you interested in playing? Yeah, my so I my favorite sport is football. Okay, even though I, I have played cricket, they, they, I know quite a few people who play football uh, regularly. I think they they play in uh, uh, in Tolworth. I think there's a, there's a club there as well. Uh, mm. Have you have you heard of that? Yeah, I, I, we play there as well. They have yeah. some pitches right. you can book goals. Okay. But uh, yeah, anybody listening out there, Imam Anand is looking yeah. for uh, <laughs> to put together a football team. So if you're interested, uh, you know, get in touch with uh, Imam Usman Manan. Um, absolutely. Yes. Um, cool. Um, right. So uh, we've talked about the uh, the institute there, but in general. Um, also, I think it's important to state that within the community, I'm the Muslim community, uh, sports activity, physical activity have always been given uh, importance. And and just to give you some idea, a listener some idea, um, in this year alone, uh, in, uh, in, in London alone, we've had at least three international tournaments. We hosted three international tournaments. One was for women's basketball. Hmm. Um, the other, um, uh, the other two were for football and cricket, and and all three were international tournaments, and there were teams participating from as far as Australia, and New Zealand, um, to Africa, to uh, to Americas, uh, and obviously European uh, teams as well. So there were teams from all over the place. Um, uh, Unfortunately, in cricket and uh, and football, and especially in cricket, I mean, I just am not. I I cannot fathom that somehow that Germany won both cricket and <laughs> um, and and football. Football, I can understand. Cricket, I still cannot understand how how Germans can beat the English team. It was a close match, but uh, and there were a couple of bad decisions as well. By the, Empire, <laughs> by the way, yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah. So that that should give. Um, uh, 
uh, or at least in some sense of how important it is. Um, I think the the woman to have physical um, activity. The yeah. Germ- Germany women's team won as well in the basketball. In basketball as well. Oh <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, Germans absolutely. Um, right. I I want to would like to end uh, this show um, from an excerpt from the book The Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam, written by. Uh, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. Um, may, um, uh, may peace be on him. And he writes on in, in this book that as the soul is affected by physical contact, in the same way sometimes the soul affects the body. For instance, when a person experiences sorrow, his eyes become wet, and a person who feels happy smiles. All our natural actions like eating, drinking, sleeping, walking, moving about, resting, bathing, etc. affect our spiritual condition. Our physical structure is related intimately, intimately to our total humanity. If a certain part of the brain is injured, memory is immediately lost. An injury to another part of the brain causes loss of consciousness. Poisonous air affects the body and through it the mind and the whole inner system to which the moral impulses are related and the and is, is impaired and the to, to which the moral impulses are related is impaired and the unfortunate victim passes out quickly like a madman. Thus physical injuries disclose that there is a mysterious relationship between the soul and the body which is beyond the ken of man. Reflection shows that the body is the mother of the soul. The soul does not descend from outside into the womb of a pregnant woman. It is a light that is inherent in the sperm which begins to shine forth with the development of the fetus. The word of God Almighty Almighty conveys to us that the soul becomes manifest from the framework that is prepared in the womb, from the sperm, as is said in the Holy Quran, then we develop it into a new creation. So blessed is Allah, the best of creators, the Holy Quran, Al-Mu'minun, chapter 23, verse 15. This means that God bestows a new creation on the body that is prepared in the womb, and that new creation is called the soul. Greatly blessed is God, who has no equal as a creator. The affirmation that a new creation is manifested from the body is a mystery that reveals the reality of the soul and points to the strong relationship between the soul and the body. We're also instructed thereby the same philosophy underlies the physical acts and words and movements when they are manifested in the cause of God that is to say, all these sincere actions are charged with a soul as the sperm is charged with a soul. As the framework of these actions is developed, the soul with which they are charged begins to shine and when that framework becomes complete, the soul inside it shines forth in full manifestation and discloses its, discloses its spiritual aspect. At that stage, those actions become fully alive. This means that when the framework of actions is completed, something shines forth from it suddenly like a flash of lightning. 
this is the strange this is the strange concern cons- this is the stage concerning which god almighty says in the holy quran so when i have fashioned him in perfection and have breathed into him of my spirit fall ye down in submission to him the holy quran chapter 15 verse 30 that is when i have completed his framework and have set right all the manifestations of glory and have breathed into him my spirit then fall down in prostration all of you on his account this verse indicates that when the framework of action is completed a soul shines forth in it which god attributes to himself inasmuch as the framework is completed at the cost of worldly life that the divine light which is dim in the beginning suddenly shines forth so that on the beholding of this divine manifestation it becomes incumbent on everyone to fall into prostration and to be drawn to that light everyone perceiving that light falls into prostration and is naturally drawn to it except iblis who loves darkness here it would be useful to mention that the human fetus shows signs of life almost 4 month and 10 days after its conception that is the intermedial stage of its existence in the womb the same laws of nature that cause the fetus to evolve from the vegetative to the animal state are also operative in the spiritual birth in other words just as the fetus spends half the span of its existence in the privacy of the womb and then starts showing signs of animation and life the same condition obtains in the birth of the spiritual life as well the better part of a person's life before the onset of senility can be measured at approximately 80 years half of which is 40 here the number of 40 here the number 40 correlates with the first 4 months the fetus spends in the womb prior to its first physical movements experience tells us that when man has lived half of his productive life the first 40 years which bear a strong likeness to the first 4 months of a fetus's existence his soul awakens and shows nascent signs of spiritual life provided he's blessed with a pure disposition it is no secret that therefore that before he is 40 a man's life is mostly obscured by ignorance the first 7 or 8 years of his existence are passed in infancy and the following 25 or so years are are mostly spent in the pursuit of learning or frittered away on liberating on liberating pleasures afterwards he is married or is otherwise beguiled into chasing wealth and honor and exceeds all bounds in doing so at this stage even if man turns towards god his quest is somewhat tainted with material desires so those that was a, an excerpt from the book of the promised messiah hazrat mirza ghulam ahmed on whom be peace a book called the philosophy of the teachings of islam which is available to download online from alislam.org and that book um talks about he wrote that book more than 100 years ago and and that book talks about in detail the connection between body and mind and body and soul and and therefore uh the topic that we were addressing earlier which is the importance of physical activity and the importance um uh, uh that has in terms of ment- our mental well-being uh as well as the mental well-being of the soul 
Right, that brings us towards the end of our program today. Nine o'clock news is next.